Mireya, welcome to the Fostering Community Podcast. For those who are listening, you and I first connected about a year ago, actually. Um, you were inquiring about volunteer opportunities, and we talked about how you yourself had spent time in foster care as a child. And so, of course, as we were working on launching this podcast, your name came to mind, and you graciously agreed to share your story with us today. So thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. Great. Okay, so let's get started. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what part of Houston you live in, and what you do for work, family life, anything that you'd like to share? Sure, absolutely. I was born and raised here in Houston, Texas. Uh, I live in northeast Houston near the Humble Atascacita area. I work at Atascacita Community Church as a children's director, so I oversee infants through fifth grade. And I absolutely love my job. I love working with children and with families. I have a very supportive husband, so I am married. I have four kids, three handsome boys, one beautiful daughter, and a precious granddaughter. You were in foster care as a child. Can you share your experience with us, whatever you feel comfortable with sharing? How old were you when you were placed in care? Did you understand what was happening at the time? What emotions were you feeling? What do you remember about that experience? I was 14 years old when this part of my story began. I remember it was in the middle of the night and my mom came to my bed and she woke me up and she says, there's a police officer at the door. Answer the door. And if he asked to speak with us, you know, just tell them that we're asleep. So, you know, I did what she asked me to do. I answered the door and he's like, is your name Idea?" And I said, yes. He's like, are you okay? I answered yes, but I wasn't okay. Mm. But the fear that I had of my parents, I said, yes, I was okay. And he's like, well, your sister is very worried about you. And then honestly, after that, I don't remember too much of that night. I remember we went to the police department and I left with just the clothes that I had on that night. I didn't have time to pack clothes. And we got to the police station and I think I got a glimpse of my sister like in another room but they never put us together we were separate I just remember feeling very afraid like oh my gosh this just happened and now what's gonna happen when we get home I was like really scared how old was your sister I was 14 and my sister was um 17 so I don't remember seeing my parents there I just remember being very afraid and then I know later they took me to a uh, shelter because um, it was in the middle of the night. I, and I just remember being at this shelter, you know, they admitted me in. And this was a place where they would just hold people until they can be assigned a social worker and a foster home or whatever the next step was for the kids that were there. So that was really scary. I remember feeling very lonely, afraid, like just not knowing what was going to happen next. How long did it take for you to get placed with a family? I want to say it was probably just a few weeks. I don't feel like it was a long time, but I remember at this shelter, we, you know, they did give me clothes and the thing, the basic necessities that I needed. I remember they had us um, going to different rooms, like for school and stuff like that. Um, So I want to say it was, you know, a few weeks. Okay. So you, so you were going to school still at that time? Yes. Okay. But in the shelter. Not in the shelter. So they, did they have teachers there that were coming in and, and teaching? Yes, they did. Okay. So then when you first were moving in with a family, what was that experience like? Can you talk about that a little bit? And was it 
Was mm-hmm. it odd moving in with a new family that you knew nothing about? What was that like? Yeah, my social worker, she came uh, to visit me and she said, um, we are going to put you in a foster home. You are not able to go uh, to your home right now with your parents because they need some help. And until they get the help that they need, you know, we can't let you go back home. So we are going to reunite you with your sister in this foster home. I was very relieved that I wasn't going back home. Mm. But then as a kid, because you're in a place that you don't know and you don't know where you're going. And because even though I was very afraid of my parents, like I still wanted to go back home. I'm mean, like, mm. it's scary to, and it's weird to understand, but that's like how I felt. I can tell you that when I got to my foster parents' house, it was like a culture shock to me. I'm Mexican, right? And my foster parents, um, no offense, please, anybody that's listening. Mm. <laughs> No, of course not. We're Caucasian. Mm -hmm. It was a huge culture shock for me. I remember sitting at a dinner table for the first time together. And like the food was different. Mm -hmm. Now I'm having to eat vegetables. And And our drink was milk, which is obviously a good thing. But I wasn't used to like vegetables. And like, where's the Mm. Kool-Aid? Oh, (laughs) Kool-Aid. Everything was so, it was like good stuff, healthy stuff, but just not what I was accustomed to. Was that weird? Were you craving what you used to have, whether or not it was, it was better or worse? Were you craving just being in familiar surroundings? Yeah, you know, I was. I was craving those things, but I was so blessed that right across the street was this wonderful Latino family mm. that I would go there uh, sometimes when I had extra time and when I had permission to go there, I would go there and hang out with them and they just loved on me and it was very special memories and I'm still in contact with them today. I'm actually still in contact with my foster parents today. Well, anyway, it turns out that my foster parents, yeah, well, we finished our dinner and then my sister and I were in charge of uh, putting the dishes in the dishwasher that night because everybody had chores and they had four kids of their own already in elementary age oh. and it was just so different. Yeah. And, you know, everybody had their thing that they were going to do. So that was our job. So I'm talking to my sister in Spanish and I'm telling her, you know, this is so different. <laughs> and she's yeah. like, they speak Spanish here. Oh, I was like, they do because they don't look like they do. (laughs) (laughs) So you quickly found that out. (laughs) No secrets. (laughs) So this is a this was just a huge blessing in disguise, at least from my experience. Is my foster dad was a pastor of a church. Mm. My foster mom she played the piano in the church she did children's ministry I mean everything in the church and um, this is where I actually got saved this was just an amazing experience for me and I know God allows us to go through things not on purpose on purpose but because he's going to use us later Mm. uh, to be able to bless other people to be able to encourage other people to be able to bring them hope because of what God has done in our own lives and that's like what I'm so excited to to get started doing. So how long were you with that foster family? I was probably with them about two years. Okay. Two. And and so were you back with your biological family after that? I did. I did go back home. 
I remember having lots and lots of counseling sessions. I still remember my counselor's name. She was Dr. Ferguson. She was amazing. Having visitation with my parents and even though my foster parents were amazing and they loved me and they took us on vacation and we did things with them, um, I still wanted to be with my mom. Mm. Even though I still kind of knew it wasn't the best thing. Yeah. I, I cried every time. I did. Aww. I cried every time. And my, I remember my foster mom being on the phone, like, she's crying. She wants to go back home. And, you know, they would tell her she can't go home yet. It's not time yet. Mm. So finally that day got there. But honestly, I am so thankful for, for my foster parents because, you know, I feel like they uh, instilled a lot in me. And I'm still looking back and just still seeing things that they would do for me. Like they allowed me to bring in my best friend that I had, mm. you know, when I was living with them like they would come over and we would have sleepovers and, you know, they tried to make it good for me. So you still communicate with your foster parents even today. Did your foster parents ever communicate with your biological parents? You know, if there was interaction, it was probably very little. I, 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 nothing that I know of, but I think they may have a few times after I went back home, you know, they would come and pick me up uh, to go to church Mm. Um, but that, you know, lasted a short while. I can't remember what happened, but. So when you had to be placed with a foster family, did you have to go to a different part of town? Did you go to a new school and everything like that? Or were you in the same area? I wasn't zoned to the same school, but my foster parents, honestly, they went out of their way to take me to my school. That's so, so amazing because a lot of children don't get the benefit of that. And they, they wind up in a new school with new friends, new teacher, new everything, and they have to get accustomed to everything at once. And so that's so amazing that you still had that. Yes. Yes. They did do that for me for sure. And I'm, you know, I appreciate a lot of things that they did for me. So while you were in foster care, who were like the core people in your life that got you through that time? Um, it sounds like your foster parents were really amazing and really helped you guys out, you and your sister. Was there anybody else that you kind of leaned on during that time? Yeah, I would say the church family that my foster dad pastored. The lady across the street, she was uh, a part of the church as well, and they're like I said, my foster parents were Caucasian, but uh, it's like they had Latino blood running through their veins because the uh-huh. church that he pastored was, the majority was Latino. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel very at home and I, the congregation, they just really loved on my sister and I. So just the church in general, I would say made it a good experience for us. So just that whole church community, that community feeling that you were being supported by everyone around you. Yes. So do you think that your experience in foster care um, has sort of changed the way that you approached certain life milestones or just adulthood in general? How did it kind of affect the way that you turned 18 and moved on in life? Uh, I did go back home and things were not they still were not okay. I actually started getting a little bit depressed and honestly got a little, I had suicidal thoughts. I don't know that I ever would have done 
mm. on it. Uh, but I did, those thoughts did occur. And my friend had called me that night that I had, was having these feelings. And she got super scared and she talked to her parents and her parents were like, we're going to go pick her up. My parents weren't home. They were out a few hours away and uh, they're like, we're going to come pick you up. And they did. They came. I was so scared. <laughs> Running away from home at 18. <laughs> mm. uh, so I did. I left my home. Um, and they became uh, very important in my life at that point because they kind of just guided me through adulthood and helped me, you know, you know, find a job, get a car, like her dad actually even put me in a beauty pageant. Oh, wow. <laughs> they were just like amazing. And uh, so this friend that I'm talking to you about, she was like my best friend growing up since like kindergarten. And her family, like they knew kind of what I was going through. Because uh, even in, when we were in elementary school, uh, my mom, she never came to any of the events at school or conferences and stuff. But my friend's parents they were like my parents in the school because they were there to support me and stuff like that for programs and special things at the school um so they kind of helped me with um becoming an adult it was <laughs> almost like a, a second set of foster parents really yes unofficially you mentioned that you had heard some of the statistics when we first um talked in the first time you mentioned you had heard some of the statistics about foster care on a podcast and it was breaking your heart, obviously, because of everything that you yourself had gone through and just kind of feeling called to do some of this work in adulthood now. Um, what part of that was really what hit home for you? Was there any specific statistic or thing that was being talked about or what really drives you towards this work? Yes. One of the, I mean, the, all of the statistics were like super scary. And honestly, I was very upset with myself that I haven't done anything sooner because I guess I just didn't know how bad it really was because my experience was a good one. Well, first so. of all, it's not on you because you, <laughs> you went through all of this. And so you know, I mean, it's, it's on all of us in the community to do something. And so I do not put that on you, please. Oh my gosh. With everything that you're talking about that you went through, please do not. <laughs> yeah. So I think the biggest one of everything that they shared on that po podcast was the 66% that, you know, end up in prison are homeless on the street. Some end up uh, being human trafficked some die after a year that they age out. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was just like blew me away. And then that the 80% of the prison population is foster care. I'm like, no. yeah, I cried. Yeah. I did. I cried. And then I heard Damien's story, which was incredible. Mm -hmm. incredible. And I have people in my life that were encouraging me along the way. And I'm like, why haven't I been doing this? But Yes, I am so ready. So what is some of the um, projects and the work that you have in store? Can you explain some of the things that you're working yeah. on? Yeah, I can tell you that I have at the church been doing things um, with our local CPS office. Uh, like I've had the kids in our children's ministry put like care packages together that have like toothbrushes and toothpaste and just things that the kids need. Uh, that social workers can have for the kids that they 
they work with. That's amazing. Um, I've done some things to get our children involved in helping our community. We, I've done through the church um, foster family Christmas parties where I work with our faith-based specialist in our community. And she sends me a list of kids in our zip code and their wish list. And in our church, you know, we've done, uh, we go buy all these gifts and then we um, invite the families over, you know, we do food and games and pictures with Santa and then they get their gifts and it's just been a lot of fun to be able to do stuff. So I haven't been a hundred percent inactive. I've been doing little things here and there, but I just sounds like you've been doing a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I also uh, do uh, provide a little bit of food when it's, uh, when I, when they ask me to uh, for, for CWAP. Have you heard of CWAP? It's uh, children without placement. Okay. So these are kids that, you know, are in a foster home, but for whatever reason, you know, they leave, they kind of go on wall, and then they just get picked up and then they take them to this place so that they're not, you know, in the street. And so sometimes they need food. So I'm like on the list that, you know, that they have a list that they rotate and when she's, it's my turn, she's like, okay, here's what we need. And then, you know, I happily provide whatever it is that they need. <laughs> That's so awesome. Another thing that I'm currently working on is I met this woman at our church and she is amazing and she works with children that have been coming into the U.S. but were detained at the border by Border Patrol and then immigration gets involved. So then the kids are placed in a shelter because, you know, they're minors and they're undocumented. So they're there until they're either returned with their families back home or the background check of a relative here checks out. And when she told me this, I was like, I want to help because I was once where these kids are. They're in a place in the shelter without their parents and they don't know what's going to happen next. You know, what can I do to help? So we started, you know, through our children's ministry, you know, for Halloween, we would do like goodie bags and send them over there for uh, Valentine's and our church even did uh, purchase a whole bunch of pajamas for them and sent them so they can have a pajama party for them because they even try to make it fun for the kids but they don't always have the funds to do so so we've been supporting them as well uh, we recently started uh, hosting well I'm coordinating uh, services so that they can still hear the word of God because these kids just, they just need a lot of hope and encouragement so that's something that I'm currently working on right now. They've invited me to lead uh, Bible studies for the girls uh, there via Zoom because everything's via Zoom right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because <laughs> I was like, we can't see them or they can't come to our church. So what can I do? I'm like, Zoom. Let's do Zoom. Yes. See if they get permission for that. So they said yes, and it's been really exciting uh, to be able to do that. That's awesome. That that sounds incredible. Just to finish up, what is it that you wish the general public knew about supporting children in foster care or just the foster care system in general? So what's really important to me is that we come together to provide more support for the foster parents, more encouragement for the kids. Um, I feel like the more support foster parents have, the more likely they're going to keep the child in their home. Uh, And sometimes I've seen where some of these uh, foster children, like the parents, end up adopting them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for me, that's like a dream to see that happen. Uh, 
Um, so that would be my hope, just for more people to come alongside these foster parents and just help them. Of course, I would love to see more foster parents get on board and just know that, you know, we're going to start working, at least in our community, to um, build more of a support system for them. And if that's not what they choose to do, that's fine, but everybody can do something. Everyone can do something. That's what we say too. You're right. Yes. So I want to offer uh, like the respite care certification through our church, you know, foster care training through our church certification. I would love to do, um, I know what some people call the Moses closet where you just have a supply of clothes and care packages and food and diapers and wipes and car seats. So, you know, if, we know a family that's about to adopt a baby, you know, hey, here's a car seat. Here's some yes. else. It's a diaper. like, we want to lighten your burden because I know adoption costs are outrageous. And, you know, if they're taking a baby out of the system, how can I help you? Like, we want to help you. So even with new and, and existing foster parents, like, I want to be able to provide the things that they need and just show them that we appreciate what they're doing. and. Um, just be able to help them. That's amazing. And I know um, one of the families in our programs had welcomed a six-week-old baby into their home, um, and it was practically just 24 hours notice, if even that, I'm not sure. Um, and the baby had been abused, and so it was in um, body casts. And the mom, she didn't have all of these items that you need to care for a six-week-old. Um, and so she kind of had to scramble at the last minute to get things like, um, you know, a swaying, um, diapers, wipes, whatever she needed to care for this baby. In addition to the, the medical needs that it had, just even the basics. I mean, there's so many things that you get when you welcome a new baby into your home, but when it's, when the baby is not yours and you've had 24 hours notice, there's a lot of work that needs to get done in between that time. And so that's amazing um, that you're helping families get what they need for that. That's amazing. Yes. That's one of the things that I'm ready to start, you know, launching is that's getting awesome. the supplies ready. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Mireya, for being so open about your experiences and for sharing your story with us today. Um, I'm excited to work with you in the future, hopefully on the Love Box program and partner on some of these initiatives. So thank you for talking with us on Fostering Community. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. <laughs>